Well, it's the study of a prophet, and his name is Daniel. He is an amazing guy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are in the book of Daniel. And I'll tell you, there's a lot to study here. It's very good. In about five minutes, we're going to study Daniel chapter one, the first 14 verses. It's going to be interesting. But Corey and Ryan are here to study with us. Corey? Taking a look at King Nebuchadnezzar today, he features a lot in Daniel and in some unexpected ways. Ryan? <laughs> well, today I'm profiling the prophet Daniel as we begin his very fascinating book. Yes, it is. And Daniel's an amazing prophet. I can't say that enough. Anyway, Janice? Friday wrap-up question. I'm going to ask Ryan and Corey a question based anywhere from Ezekiel 31 through to Daniel chapter 2. And you're going to have to take part in that question too, so I hope you're ready. Let's read the Bible. Let's open it up and hear what God says. Daniel 1, 1 through 14. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men 
who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them ten days. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. We come into a new passage today. It's the book of Daniel. Uh, this is an amazing prophet, the, the beloved of God. You know, Daniel and John have things in common, but we're going to focus on Daniel today. Daniel was a bright young man whom God had anointed to lead. Actually, his name means judges or God judged. However, Daniel was not set apart to lead his own people out of exile, but was anointed by God to lead his people within the Babylonian empire in a unique way. It dominated the world. You see, when God had cast his judgment on Judah, the Lord made a way for some of the young Israelite men who honored God to be taken captive by the Babylonians. And Daniel was one of those young men chosen to personally serve King Nebuchadnezzar and become one of his highest officials. The rise of Daniel was dramatic. He intimately understood the heart of God's law. Not wanting to defile himself with the food and the wine given to him by the king's table, Daniel struck a deal with the one in charge of the king's food. Despite his incredible wisdom, this bold move would not be considered very wise by human standards. But it was the beginning of how God would establish Daniel in Babylon for the future of his saints. This is amazing. Beloved, if ever you are behind, just pick up the Bible and start with Daniel 1. This is just a great, I mean, this is a great place to start as well. And if you're joining us for the first time, we're reading through the Bible. You can pick up and start with Daniel. And as we read this today, take your Bible guide and turn to it. If you don't have a Bible guide, we'll tell you how to get one in just a moment. And uh, you can call us or write us, or you can actually go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible Discovery TV page or the Bible Discovery page, and it'll take you to a donate place. Thank you for donating. And then you can download it exactly how we printed it. Anyway, Father, today we pray as we study the book of Daniel. We're ready to hear, I think, from the Lord. We're ready to hear from you, God. So your Holy Spirit has permission to work in our hearts for everybody who's praying on the internet, on the phone, on television, with me right now. I thank you, Father, for them joining us. But I pray, Lord, that we would be ready to hear what you have said about Daniel. So open up our hearts and teach us today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. You know, Daniel 1 is, is just, it's just a great book. <laughs> Look, here, here's how it starts. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, some of them, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasures of his house of his God. Now, 
I want you to pay attention to this because it's really important. God allowed his temple articles to be given into the hands of pagan gods. God is interested in people first, not in things. That is more evident today than ever before. God is not interested in things as we are. Cars and houses and jewelry and, and clothes and makeup and everything. God is interested in the people. He's interested in who we are. We need to remember that. That's what Daniel tells us. Now, let's read on because it gets even better. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom and possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. The Lord is, will carry out his will even when his people are taken to serve pagan kings. Beloved, we can serve the Lord in any position that he has placed us. Okay, you're alive, I'm alive. Isn't it amazing that God has placed us right here, right now in the midst of this chaotic world going crazy? We're in the midst of it. Why? God is showing this world something. Are we displaying the character of God correctly? Are we doing it? Father, help us to do that. That's a key. We need to continue to display the character of God correctly. All right. Let's go further. Daniel chapter 1, 5 to 14. And the king appointed for them daily provisions of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that the, at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief eunuchs gave names, and he gave Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should you, he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat water and drink. And then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. So deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter, and tested them for 10 days. This is fascinating. 
Daniel was determined and made a deal with the chief official to test God's law regarding food. Beloved, when we test and seek after God, he provides all that we need. And there are going to be times when we're going to have to test and see. And we're going to have to say, oh God, I don't know what we're going to do here, or how this is going to happen or what's going to happen to me. But I trust you. This also happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nevertheless, that's for a later chapter. We need to test because you know how this worked. I'm not going to tell you. You have to read the rest of the chapter because this worked out really interesting. God protects us and saves us and makes it happen for us. Lord, help us today to have the strength to do the same thing Daniel did. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. All right, well, I had to do it because the book of Daniel features King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon like no other book, like no other pagan king gets a seat at the table here, Nebuchadnezzar does. So I want to take a look at uh, him historically and also biblically. I know in today's uh, reading, you know, in chapter two, we get the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to see him, you know, at various points trying to kill men of God, at other points praising God, at other points being an It's He's all over the place. So let's take a look at him historically and biblically. The Bible's portrayal of the Neo-Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar is an interesting one. From the perspective of the people living in Judah and Jerusalem, he was a fearsome and war-savvy enemy to whom the prophets of God said they must bow one way or the other. To the first wave of noble exiles that were trained in his courts, Nebuchadnezzar was their new king, and he's portrayed in ways that demonstrate his pride, anger, and eventually how he was humbled with a bout of what today would be labeled as mental illness. The Bible also mentions Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian building projects, specifically as a source of pride for this ancient king. In the history recorded outside of the Bible, we see a similar picture emerge with even more detail. Nebuchadnezzar II was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. With military might and strong alliances, these two men led Babylon to decisive military victories over the dominant Assyrian Empire. Eventually, they completely destabilized it, defeating its leaders and taking its place as the new world power of the ancient Near East. When Nebuchadnezzar took the throne, he solidified his power by crushing rebellions and taking his place as the shepherd of the city of Babylon. This meant that he launched huge building campaigns, funded, no doubt, by the spoils of his warfare. And the city of Babylon became a major project. Babylon's main deities were Marduk and Nebo. And one of Nebuchadnezzar's finest building achievements was the rebuilding and refurnishing of their temple structures. He restored the great ziggurat of Babylon that's often associated with the Tower of Babel, and he rebuilt the temple of Marduk. 
Nebuchadnezzar also fixed the canal of the Euphrates that passed through the city and a large processional bridge to facilitate the yearly festival and procession celebrating Marduk's victory and order. Nebuchadnezzar built the inner and outer walls of Babylon, his large palace, and various temples, shrines, idols, and public buildings. This is the background for his boast of being Babylon's creator recorded in Daniel 4. Also notable are the many inscriptions Nebuchadnezzar left behind. Many are dedication inscriptions that he always seems to have ended with prayer. His prayers are noteworthy for his purposeful, humble approach. A king who owes all of his success to Marduk and the gods, a worshiper who wants peace, protection, and to serve the god he's addressing. Interestingly, Nebuchadnezzar II founded what may rightly be called the world's first museum. In a wing of his palace, he displayed artifacts from captured nations, objects excavated from ancient civilizations, inscriptions, statues, and some of his own commissioned work. He opened this collection to be viewed by the public. It testified to all of his supposed worthiness to protect and rule mankind. There we go. Lots more. Lots more could be said about Nebuchadnezzar and will be said as we continue to study through Daniel. Well, yes, yes. And Daniel 4 is a particular study we should look at, too. But anyway, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I like him. He's a cool guy. Really interesting Mm. historical figure. That Mm. is for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. He would be labeled several psychological problems. uh. Well, well, I mean, even just the fact that he and his father, Nebuchadnezzar, were able to take down the Assyrian Empire. And I mean, they did it by um, allying themselves with the Persian Empire, right? So um, Nebuchadnezzar married a Persian princess and... uh, that doesn't end up going very well. Not 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 necessarily the marriage, but the alliance. Persia's yes. not super happy with what they get out of the out of the deal, and that comes back to bite Babylon. And Daniel lives through all of this, yeah, and uh, the fa- failure and all that. Yeah, very interesting, mm-hmm. Ryan. All right, so to go along with one of my very favorite books of the Bible, I thought that it would be good to profile the man for whom the book is named after, and that, of course, is Daniel. Now, Daniel was a very wise and godly prophet who God loved and used in a very mighty way. Check it out. The Jewish prophet Daniel was among the first group of captives taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC. He was young, good-looking, intelligent, and full of social graces. And according to the Jewish Roman historian Josephus, he even belonged to the royal family that produced King Zedekiah. Nevertheless, Daniel was soon to be stripped of that identity and assimilated into a full-fledged Babylonian. As a part of the brainwashing process, his name, which means God is my judge, was changed to Belteshazzar, meaning Bel protect the king. And he was probably emasculated as well. However, though they changed Daniel on the outside, they could not change his heart. As a matter of fact, though Daniel was probably no more than 17 years of age at the time of his deportation, he was already a man of tremendous faith and integrity, whom God had blessed with knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and understanding in all visions and dreams. As a result of these unique gifts and characteristics, Daniel was made governor over Babylon, and throughout his lifetime was able to influence as many as 13 kings and four kingdoms. And wicked though most of the kings were, 
Daniel's counsel, courage, and absolute integrity often turned them away from idolatry and led them to recognize the power of the true God. This was seen most dramatically in King Nebuchadnezzar, who, after several unfortunate episodes, finally humbled himself before the Almighty and proclaimed him alone as God. Though by the time of King Belshazzar, Daniel was no longer a part of the government, it would be he who interpreted the writing on the wall. The drunken and revelous Belshazzar had been weighed and measured, and found severely lacking. So God divided his kingdom and gave it to the Medes and the Persians that very night. With Belshazzar now dead and Darius the Mede firmly established on the throne, Daniel is once again re-established as ruler over the entire realm. Although he ends up being cast into a den of ferocious lions as a result of some jealous conspirators, God shuts the mouth of the hungry beasts, and Daniel was brought out alive and unscathed. King Darius, amazed and relieved, honors the god of Daniel, and in turn has the conspirators, as well as their families, cast into the lion's den to be destroyed. Daniel would go on to prosper in the reigns of both Darius and Cyrus the Persian. Truly, Daniel was a man of rare faith. Indeed, his contemporary Ezekiel placed him in the same ranks as Noah and Job. In fact, by faithfully studying the prophecies of Jeremiah, another of his contemporaries, Daniel realized that the 70 years of Jewish captivity were about to expire. And through his faithful prayers, the angel Gabriel appeared to him, calling him greatly beloved, which is the same way Jesus referred to the Apostle John. As Dr. David Jeremiah observes, Daniel and John also share another parallel. They are the two greatest sources of prophetic revelation in the Bible. Because of their faithfulness and obedience, God disclosed revelation to them, not given to any others. You know what I love most about Daniel is that he lived most of his life in a pagan nation, and yet he remained positive and faithful to God, even when he was persecuted. It's no wonder why he's referred to three times in his book as beloved of God. And according to tradition, there's only one other man who is referred to as beloved by God, and that is John the Apostle. So isn't it interesting then that Daniel and John are the two greatest sources of prophetic revelation in the Bible? Daniel with his book and John with Revelation. Because of their faithfulness and obedience, God disclosed revelation to them, not given to anybody else. I think it's important to remember Daniel, of course, was taken by the, his prophecies in the end of time. And uh, it made him sick. And he took him some time, but he got well because God revealed everything to him. And then John is in prison suffering for the testimony of Jesus Christ when suddenly behind him, a man that sounds like a trumpet appears and he is given the book of Revelation. Now, you know, John is fascinating because he's a man who saw Jesus before he declared uh, fully in the presence of everybody that he is the son of God and then declared and then lived with him and then saw him arrested, mm -hmm. persecuted, and then when everything's lost, rises from the dead in the grave, and then he ascends to heaven. And is that the end of it? No, because John goes to heaven at the end because God pulls him up there in mm -hmm. Revelation chapter four, and he sees God in heaven. It really is that, incredible. It, yeah. it truly is stunning. And when you compare John and Daniel like that, it's really, really amazing. I'll tell you, it's something that we need to pay attention to, and we'll get to Revelation at the end of the year. 
But uh, what an amazing story. Okay, very good. I'm talking too much. Let's get to the question. It's going to be ahead. good to go through the book of Daniel. All right. So we touch on Daniel in today's reading. So the question is based anywhere from Ezekiel 31 to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to pose the question to Ryan and Corey. If you're a new viewer, we do this every Friday. And I've got quite a few people who like to play along. And we all learn together. So if you get the answer wrong, it's okay. Because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. So Ryan and Corey have to be on the hot spot every Friday and answer in front of you. It is an open book test, so if you want to grab your Bible, you can look for the answer if you don't know it off the top. Here it is. Are you ready? We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Who gave Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah new Babylonian names to honor the false gods of Babylon? Who did that? Was that Nebuchadnezzar? Was it Jehoiakim? Or was it Ashpenaz, the chief of the eunuchs? Who was it that gave new names, Babylonian names? Their their Hebrew names actually honored the God of the Bible. And whoever it was that renamed them actually gave them names to honor the Babylonian gods. Babylonian gods. Mm. The false gods of Babylon. All right, so who was it? Was that Nebuchadnezzar? Did he give them the new names? Was it Jehoiakim? Did he? Or was it Ashpenaz, the chief of the eunuchs? Who was it that gave them their new names? What do you think? It it was definitely the chief eunuch. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, let's take a look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 7. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Now, if you want to see what his name was, you go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So, if you chose number three, Ashpenaz, the chief of the eunuchs, you are absolutely right. Well done. All right. Very good. Well, stay there because on the next program, we're going to continue to talk about the prophets. It is a good day. Today, as we focus on Daniel and we look at this, we need to pray and ask the Lord for strength because God's calling us to be like Daniel. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I put my trust in you. Lord, what does that mean? How do we do that? Teach us your way to put our trust in you. Help us to put our trust in you, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we ask in your name. Amen.